What's going on, everyone? This is Mike Sleater with the My Two Life podcast, and today you are going to listen to a great story from Paul Parabinos from Renthal, USA. Um, Rent, Paul Parabinos has uh, done a lot in the moto industry from you know a, a successful pro in his own right, racing Supercross Outdoor Nationals to winning championships with Dean Wilson and for Pro Circuit Kawasaki. Um, he has managed a few different brands in the industry and is now spearheading the um, a, a new strong effort with Renthal USA um, and globally as well. So Paul, Paul is just the, is just one of those guys that you know doesn't settle for just being mediocre. Um, I've raced him myself. He's a phenomenal rider. He has a wife Erica and his son Parks, and we kind of touch on his whole story through and through. So. It's going to be a good one, um, but this podcast wouldn't be possible without the folks, you know, from MotoOnline.com, you know, I'm working for them now as a test writer. I really, really like you to check out their site. Great news, great content globally, and then MotoOnline.com.au for the Aussie and New Zealand stuff. It's uh, some of the most high-level content, and I think you'll really enjoy it. Um, Also, Ride Stasic. Ride Stasic, Ride Sooner. Uh, the 12E and 16E have changed the game. They are uh, all brushless now. They've improved the product, uh, really changing the industry in its own way, gathering all new riders and really improving the sport of moto and motorcycle riding in general. Also, Maxima USA, you know, I've said it once, I'll say it again. Suspension clean is my favorite. Smells good, takes off that marker, doesn't hurt your plastics. Just Castor 927 in those two strokes, you know, can't can't go without it check out maximausa.com maxima racing oils um phenomenal product great company great people trevor reese there is a former pro himself danny massey and of course ron lachine you're if you're supporting maxima you support the dogger and the dogger is the man um and once again max maxis usa maxis tires i'm a proud uh Rider of Maxxis. I, I use their tires on my, not only my YZ450, my Intense Cycles Carbine Sniper, and my vehicles. Um, they just, they're, they're a true do-it-all tire company. They do it at a high level. Um, the all-new Maxxis ST is a tire that I am extremely proud to be a part of development. So get over there. Check out MaxxisTires.com. You'll have an array of tires that I feel that can really... Uh, Find find the need for you. And in the last one of the day is Intense Cycles. I've been a proud ambassador from IntenseCycles.com. Um, I personally ride an Intense Carbine for my uh, Enduro trail bike needs, an Intense Sniper for my XC Adventures in racing. Um, use Sleater underscore 10 for 10% off on IntenseCycles.com off any model. I know inventory is scarce through this pandemic, but be patient. They have a great customer service team over there. Chappy Fiend, JP, um, you know, it's all new regime over there. Ryan Dungey rides intense cycles. Uh, Pulpa Mex rides intense. You talk about, you hear him talking about his taser. There's just a lot of guys and gals that are leaders. Of course, Aaron Gwynn of Int- Intense Factory Racing, choosing intense cycles. Uh, they're a California brand. I'm a California guy, and I really, really enjoy riding their bikes. Once again, thank you for those who support this My Two Alive podcast, and stay tuned for the story of Paul Parabinos and how he's become one of the industry leaders in moto in the US.
with uh, industry leader. I call him a leader because he's kind of taken every step uh, through this industry from a rider to school to for a future in the industry and now um, help build a few brands. And that guy is Paul Parabinos. Paul, thanks for taking some time out of your day and coming in. Yeah, what's up, Mike? It's uh, It'll be fun to bench race and get in the time machine for a little bit. Yeah, I've uh, been bugging you for a while to do this because you, you, you're a f- frequent uh, guy on Pulp and I love like your industry knowledge and it's kind of really unmatched as far as like the full circle and also you're an enthusiast and we do love to ride. Our kids are very similar age, so it's 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 really neat. Yeah, absolutely. Um So yeah, let's let's talk about, you know, I you know, before we hopped on here, I was you know asking you some questions and I'm like, we better hold that for the premise of doing this this podcast and so you grew up in Florida, right? Yeah, um, grew up in Florida, lived there until I was uh, 25, until I ended up coming to California. But um, yeah, I, I guess the, the unique thing about me, first off, is my name. It's really just me, my dad, my mom, and my wife, and my son now. Um, there is no other Parabinos in the world that we can find. Um, wow. So my dad uh, was, he lived in Prague, in Czechoslovakia most of his life, but um, the name comes from his family is a uh, Russian Moldavian, I believe. And my dad's dad met a, met my dad's mom, um, 20 years younger than him. And she was Czech and they decided to, yeah, or I'm sorry, my dad's dad decided to move the family to Czechoslovakia. It seemed like a great country at the time and, and non-communist country with, you know, my, my dad and his sister and set up a life there. And, um, then that quickly changed and, the country became communist and that was kind of the point where my dad's, you know, I think he was 23 at the time. Um, he was just like, I'm getting out of here. This, you know, it was a, it was a weird time. And I think that's why I have certain feelings I have about the way things are happening in this country and things are progressing because I hear stories from my dad. Right. So yeah, he bailed out and, um, came here with a hundred bucks in his pocket. And I think that's the thing that I'm most proud of, of him is, he came to this country with just no money in his pocket, didn't know how to speak English, and just found his way, right? Got his, did it all the correct way, paid his taxes, got his, you know, um, social security and all that crap, and and met my mom, and um, yeah, became a, went to school to be a machinist, and um, yeah, had me at that time, and we slowly started getting into riding motorcycles because uh, my dad was racing go-karts at the time, and you had to be 10 to race a go-kart. Okay. And he wanted to get me into something already, so we started with a... Suzuki JR50 and then a PW50 and we would cruise around the neighborhood and and yeah he'd come home from work and we'd ride around the neighborhood um every day. That that's a really cool story. Um I've been the check. I got through the, my KTM days and then I got to go back and mm-hmm. manage the junior world team for USA. And that's a very unique and dynamic country. I don't know a whole lot about, you know, the whole changeover and whatnot, but to have that have the balls basically for your dad to, to pick up and, and leave the country. I'm, I'm, as we talked about before this, I'm trying to do the same in a much different era. And, but for him to have a hundred bucks in his pocket with not a, f- a family member here, yeah, you have to look at that. I mean, I look at that I'm, and you just said, you look at that and you really, you know, you, you hold that in your heart. Yeah. Pretty, pretty gnarly. Like I, I couldn't imagine doing it, but, um, he was driven to make a better life for himself. Um, and he did it. So, 
So um, you're really first generation Parabinos in the States. Really? Yeah. And that would, that was a huge deal to me. Why <laughs> I was so pumped that we had a boy is because I knew it was on my shoulders to make sure the name kept going. Because again, there's, there's, there's no more, you know, I, my, my dad's parents have since passed on. My dad's sister has passed on. Um, so yeah, there's, there's just us left. So I'm the same. Yeah, Sleeter was a, a it's a German German name, mm-hmm. and it was von Schlechter mm-hmm. in, in German. And when you came over here in World War II, Germans were like, "You didn't want to say you're from Germany." Yeah, right. Yeah, and they just like they cut it to Schlechter, and then they ended up cutting it to Sleeter, like throughout the time. Interesting. So, this is not about me; it was about you. But yeah, it's a very. I had I'm the last Sleeter. My older brother Scott is a young strand. He's my half brother, so he doesn't have any kids anyhow. But yeah, Mason and Noah. Luckily, we have the two little you know, groms yeah. that can carry on the sleeter. So it's, yeah, I, I understand that pressure. Yeah. It's, I mean, I don't know why it's a pressure, but I, I want that name to continue, you know? Yeah. It's very, we have very unique last names. We're not a Johnson or, or, you no, know, or exactly, an Anderson. Exactly. Yeah. There's, and I, your last name gets misspelled probably every other time or mispronounced. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anytime I get on an airplane, the first day of school, every single day of my life. Parabachinos. Yeah. Just people can't <laughs> say it. So it's, it's, it starts with Paul and then they started from there. So, so you get into, you know, your dad's like, you know, he's racing go-karts, machinist. So he obviously has some type of very methodical thinking. He's got, you know, some engineering behind him in his brain. Um, I'm starting to see where you're getting some of your craft from. So you start riding and, and at a young age, probably three, four five. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, exactly. At that age, exactly. And, um, yeah, we just, we started getting into racing and we lived in South Florida and there wasn't much in South Florida at the time. There was one track in Homestead, which was really far down there and near Miami, they would race maybe four times a year or something. Um, but when we started getting into it more, we started traveling North in Florida to do the Florida gold cups, Florida winter Ams, the mini O's. I mean, my first time at the mini O's, me and my dad stayed in a tent. It was 1989. And I That's raced, I raced so my TW, PW50. So, and I went, I went to that race every single year. So I, I literally never had a Thanksgiving at home for the most part. Like, so was tr- the family tradition was Minios. We'd go to Minios on Thanksgiving. That's what we did as a family. We'd go and, and it was such a grind. And now that I'm working and have a son myself, like we would leave Friday after work, we'd go get the motorhome from the storage place. Our trailer was being held at the house. We had to keep it in the garage because you couldn't leave it on the driveway. We'd hook all that up. We'd drive to Dade City and do a Saturday morning like school. And then we would race somewhere on Sunday, whether that be Dade City or Gainesville or, or Reddick or where have you. And then we'd drive home all night. And again, it's four or five hour drive. Go to the storage place, get back, you know, dump the motor home off, get back to the house. I mean, we'd get home 12, 1, 2 in the morning. Then my dad would be off to work 6 a.m. the next day on Monday so gnarly now that I think about it and so fortunate that they did that because yeah, I mean, obviously we all know motocross keeps us out of trouble. It, it yeah. teaches you so many things about life. Yep. Um, and that's why I think, you know, you and I, we both enjoy and, and taking our sons riding and yeah. it's not even for me, it's not even about whatever he can become on a motocross bike. That's not it. It's about the life lessons you can yeah. learn when you, when you're a motocross kid. And that is something that I think, you know, there's a handful of us guys that, or in this area, Murrieta, Temecula Valley, that, you know, you have the Nick Ways that are, have young men and kids that are very, especially um, Vincent, who's very... Who's awesome right now, he's, yeah. Yeah, he's determined. Like, Nick's not pushing that. You can't teach that determination and want. Yeah. Parks and Mason and Noah, my boys, like your boy Parks, like, they just want to ride. Oh, yeah. They, like, they, we, <laughs> we took him to Glen Helen over the weekend, and, and 
Yeah, he, it was actually the first time he's raced in a while. I, I took him to one other race. It was actually a, a Paula Regional because <laughs> yeah. I was going to Loretta's, and it was his first race. He wasn't ready. Um, but he did good this weekend and, yeah, had four ice creams, hung out with his friends all day, had a great time, said the races were too short, and wants to go race again now, so that's cool. Yeah, like that. that's where, um, you know, going back to your racing, like when how was your experience racing with your dad? Does he, you know, we all, there's, we've seen many of our friends um, have in, in – you know, sponsored athletes that you sponsored now over the years, um, yeah. or dads of mechanics that are extremely high pressure, hard on them, and the the rider or son responsible of that, or they don't. And then you have other parents that are pretty hands off. The rider's very determined. How was your fam, your dad, and your your relationship? Um, yeah. So I mean, he pushed me for sure. Uh, you know, I looking back now, I was a stubborn prick. Um, I, I just never Some really never wanted change, to, right? right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I never really wanted to put in the, the off the bike work. Okay. Um, and he would try to push me to do it, but I was just, yeah, I'd always talk back probably or something, but I loved riding. I rode a lot. I would ro- ride two or three times a week, right out of my house. So you can go find turn tracks and ride sand. And I grew up in the sand basically. Um, and, but yeah, we raced all the time. I mean, I went to Loretta's probably 11 years in a row, um, growing up and, what changed for me, I think, is is I don't know that I ever aspired or thought that I could become a pro and make a living at it. I just never thought of that for some reason. And maybe in Florida, you know, you're kind of disconnected from the industry. You, you again, before social media, before everything, you just, all you do is you see the results in Cycle News. That's and then you exactly. show up at Loretta Lynn's and you're like, oh, that kid from Cali that's been winning, he's actually pretty fucking fast. That Sean Hamlin guy, he's real. Yeah, he's fat, right? And like, you know, we'd, I'd race with Shane Bess and and Troy Adams and Jonathan Shimp and Sean Collier and Ryan and, Morris. Yeah. Ryan Morris was a little, a little older okay. than me. So, um, Stuart was a little younger than me in Florida. Um, but yeah, right around Troy Adams, Gavin Grasick, those are the guys, yep. even Justin Brayton, I raced a lot. Um, and I beat those guys a lot, a lot of times. Um, but yeah, they didn't have like that feud, like that pathway in your head. I just didn't. Yeah. And I mean, my dad passed on a team green deal when I was young, just cause he didn't, he didn't really know what even team green was. We didn't, we, that, we were, that we could have changed everything. It could have. And, and we were riding Hondas because my dad liked Hondas. They didn't break. We didn't know what contingency was. There was a lot of, I guess, and I don't, I don't want to say mistakes, but there was just, we were green to the sport, right? But we were just having a good time and I was, I would for sure try to win. And, and I mean, I was really good leaving, leaving mini bikes, getting on big bikes. And then I had some knee injuries and, and, and lost some momentum a little bit there. But, um, really the changing point was I got out of high school and my parents, um, you know, we didn't have a ton of money, but we had some money Yeah. and they said, you can either go to MTF or you can go to college. We'll pay for either one. And I was like, I was like, that's awesome. And at the time I was not the guy that rode every single day. Like I was kind of scared of going to MTF. I was like, I don't want to ride every day. I was like, I ride once or twice a week and I race on the weekends. That's what I like to do. So I chose to go to college. Um, part of that probably was because I was just starting a relationship with my wife now, okay, Erica, and she got accepted to the same college. So we went to school and, um, yeah. And this is one of those rare instances where like, the pussy's re- taking the right direction. <laughs> yeah, maybe in hindsight it did, I guess. Yeah, so um, in the beginning I was scheduling my classes around my riding, and yeah. I was racing locally, money classes, pit bikes, whatever. That's yeah, yeah. how I was making money. And Dude, how good was the pit bike scene? I made it more was money great. during the week racing pit bikes. Yeah, like, I mean yeah. we had this track in or- in Orlando, OWC, that they had good money races, <laughs> yeah. and I would often win and and make good money, and then you know I 
poker was booming at the time yeah, too. Yeah. And I was building poker tables with my <laughs> oh, buddy shit. Dan and we were making poker tables and selling them and playing Full entrepreneurship. Yeah, basically. And, and just learning. Right. And then as that progressed, school became harder and started taking up more of my time. And then I was scheduling my riding around my school and I was racing at the time. And this was also when I was transitioning from amateur to professional. Um, and it was hard to do both. I never probably gave, especially knowing what I know now after being a mechanic and seeing the work that goes into it, what you have to do to be successful. I never put in enough work ever. Um, so I learned a lot through, through that. And, uh, and then, yeah, again, I raced, a f- I mean, I think I've raced maybe eight supercrosses or signed up to race eight supercrosses. I would always make the night show, but I would, yep. I never made a main event. I've been 10th in a lot of heat races and led LCQs and screwed up, but yep. Um, but again, I mean, I'd show up to supercross with a brand new stock bike or something. I didn't have supercross suspension. I wouldn't even go practice on a supercross track. So, um, yeah, I just, I just, what really changed, I guess, is during that time. Also, my dad's health started getting really bad. Okay. Um, and we would argue a lot and, and part of it was, I just didn't want my dad loading bikes and washing bikes and doing all this work when it was, it was getting hard for him. Yep. So we butted heads a bunch to that. Uh, um, we butted hedge a lot. I'm sorry, butted heads a lot because of that. And I think part, partly that was my reason why I went to college is that, I don't know. I just didn't want to, I didn't want to waste my parents' money. I didn't want to drive my dad to do all this. Man, that's pretty, very mature at a young age. So you're 18, 19 years old. Basically. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, looking back, I could have stayed racing and, and, and gone the path. And I think by 22, 23, I probably would have been a constant main event guy making decent money. Right. Yeah. But, um, but again, I just chose this route, and I think that was part of it. You know, the scariest moment for me was my last year at Loretta Lynn's. My dad um, faint, fainted or collapsed. Oh my god! Dude. Bef- uh, before I before I was going out to race, dude. And it was gnarly. He he went to the hospital, and he was like, "Go race!" And I couldn't fucking race, right? Yeah, it's, it's that not... was like um, that was a breaking point for me a little bit, and I was just like, ah, "I gotta do something different." And then that next, that was maybe again, that was summer. I uh, from there I ringed up my buddy Forrest Butler who had a race team at the time. I said, Hey, I'll go to the races. Like I can do grips and graphics. And I was still a good rider at the time, but that's how I started my mechanical career. So I was in college still. And then I started going to the races on the weekend to make some more money. That's pretty gnarly. Like the the emotion, I can tell you get emotional about your family and and my family is very tight as well. And, but we're the only sleeters, right? And you're the Mm -hmm. only pair of Venuses. And it's like, I recognize some of the same things, right? Like, I, I tried to race. My brother passed away in 2007, my mm-hmm. younger brother, and I tried to go race Anaheim one, like right after, dude. I didn't even make the night show on a factory KTM. Yeah, I was like, I don't even know why they let me race, you know. But to have the bond, like the racing, always like brought us together. As dysfunctional sometimes we could have been, like off the track, like it brought us together, and it was just us, right? Yeah. And and I think that's what the sport is so sport we love so much with in motocross supercross it's like it's blessing and a curse right like as you've seen you know you, you made that choice to take a, a, a different path than most others and go to school and maybe at sometimes you felt like you're letting your dad down because he, yeah. he he saw something in you yeah for sure but i think when i look back at like my career i see your career what you've done racing and then now professionally within the industry we didn't have, I don't want to speak for you, but I, I, it's safe to say you didn't have like that end goal, right? Like what you wanted to do and you like enjoyed the process. You enjoyed like the step, what you're doing, but like Eli Tomac, when he 
showed up for Hangtown his rookie year, his goal was to win. Yeah. My goal was to beat Racing Supercross. Yeah, yeah, just be there, right? Like, and then the fireworks watching them, and like, I'm not warming up on a trainer, and like, none of that, like, none yeah, of that, like, just, and, and that's where I think, like, when I see guys in the stands now with their helmets on with their chicks, like, and their chicks wearing their team jacket, I'm like, you're not making it into the main tonight, <laughs> <laughs> like, because you're not. But that was one of those guys, yeah. right? Like, I was I, early on until I had some good people, and I had it was literally four years. So, for you to see that, and then transition into being a mechanic like kind of probably lost a little bit like what you want to do yeah i mean that i just uh i i I got into it and i liked it right so you you heard already that my dad had a machine shop so that was really my first job i was running a machine in his shop and so i learned my dad was um is very smart when it comes to different materials and metals and programming a machine i mean he's a really really good machinist and um i learned a lot from him and just he's a perfectionist right because he's doing stuff at the time for you know, that goes on the Hubble telescope or for Fuck NASA or sick. like to the thousands and thousands of uh, tolerance. Right. Yeah. So, and he thought dirt bike parts were like, it, it, these are it, stupid. It, it this is so easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like, I, I can, I don't even, I can do this in a manual lathe or something like he wasn't impressed or challenged by anything for a wow. dirt bike. It makes sense though. So, so yeah, when I started being a mechanic, I just, I was going every single weekend and it was fun. I was, you know, I looked at it as, all right, free travel to the race. I get to go to the races. I can push this bike around for this. Who was your first rider? Karsten Butler. Oh, right. Who I was probably actually faster than at the time. <laughs> was that weird? It was weird, yeah. And, and, and but, but again, like, that's what I had to do to make money. And um, it was it was fun. Like I said, I got to go to every race. They have the, like, the, one of the first OG Class C motorhomes with, like, the, like yeah. the, the garage in the this back. Was, this was right after that. So this okay. was... Um, uh, they had the bigger one. They had a semi. Okay. Um, oh, okay. So my my mechanical career has only ever been in a semi. <laughs> but um, but I was sleeping in the semi, so we didn't we didn't get hotel accommodations even the first year. That's how you know bare bones it was, and it progressed, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It Clearly. became more things, and all of a sudden we started getting into the engines and the motorcycles more, and and I really liked it. And then in the summer of two thousand eight, um. I think I was working for Kyle Cunningham. He was having a pretty good year. I mean, I think we got fifth at one national. And nice. I think uh, I also worked for Matt Bonnie that year in Supercross. He got a podium in the mud at Daytona, that water race. No way. He yeah, got third. The one that Chad's bike. Yeah, so I, was, so I was all about roll. it. I'm yeah. like, man, I'm accomplishing some things here as a mechanic that I never thought did I'd. Did you take things unconsciously or did you consciously do them knowing like you're now in your 20s and you're like, this is what I didn't do. I want to make sure these guys don't do what I do. Or were you just kind of like, not kinda, really. it no? was just like, you weren't teaching at the point at that point. I, at the, I, I just try to do the best I can do it. Anything I do. And and you can ask any of my friends, whatever I try to do, I take it serious. I do the best I can do at yeah, it. Yeah. Like I give it my full effort or I'm not going to do it. Yep. So I just tried to give it my full effort and, and work hard and, and riders seem to enjoy having me as a mechanic, right? Yep. I had a lot of knowledge because I was a racer myself. Um, so yeah, it was just fun. And then, uh, I don't know. I just started walking by Mitch's truck every single race and asking him for a job in 2008. And were you going to school? You were done with school. I was still like, this might've been like when I was about to graduate or maybe not. I was already done by this time. I can't remember. And you were studying marketing. So yeah, it took me about five years to get through college because I changed my major three times. Oh shit. So I started out as um, business management and then changed that and then I started out as mark and then I did some marketing for a while I yeah. changed that I ended up graduating with a bachelor's in legal studies and a minor in criminal justice Holy shit! the criminal justice minor was like oh I can get this minor just by taking these two classes so yep. I'll do that um and my wife well girlfriend at the time was in a lot of the same classes she wanted to be a lawyer so we were in a lot of classes together we did legal writing together a bunch of different classes so 
flashback to why I can, I, I, it's easier for me to navigate a contract now is I took legal writing. So yeah, I actually yeah. had some schooling. That's pretty dope. Yeah. Um, and this is a great story too. Like during the time I would ride a lot and because we were in the same class, I was like, Hey, help me out with my homework. Like I gotta go ride. Like, <laughs> come on, you can do my homework too. It's the same thing. Yeah, yeah She yeah. actually did my homework that whole year for that class. What, what a boss. But, but I got a better grade because uh, I did better on the test. Oh shit. Your so, comprehension retention was a little better. I just, but, yeah, I just crammed the night before and, oh, and rose to the occasion and did good on this dude, test. Right. Dude. So she, she hates that story when I bring it up, but. <laughs> Sorry, Erica. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. And then again, I just started. Uh, so I think I was done with school at this point, and I didn't really know what was going on. I was, you know, I was a mechanic. Finding but it, a little bit of success, a little yeah, bit of personal growth. Not yeah. still making a ton of money, really. Um, you know, whatever. It's still week to week pay type thing. And then, yeah, I kept on going by Mitch's truck. And eventually, they were like, "Hey, come out to the shop and visit." So I had Sky Miles built up at the time. Spent some Sky Miles. Flew out Dude. to California. Toured the shop. And then at the end of the day, they're like. You know, Mitch sat me in his office. He's like, you want to do this job? And he's like, can you do this job? And I said, yeah, I can fucking do it. And, um, yeah, they offered me a job. And I went back home and said, all right, I'm moving to California. Fuck, that's a big move. Dude. So, yeah, left. Um, Erica stayed in, in Florida and in Orlando for a while because she was still in school. I came out here October 2008. She's probably doing better on her test now. She wasn't doing your homework also. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like, um, I think she was in Florida for like three or four months and I was out here for three or four months by myself and just got an apartment in Riverside and went to work. Start, started. Yeah. And just, that's like in, and at that point, like Mitch's four strokes are on fire. Like things are happening. Like the team's good. The yeah. team's strong. I mean, and, it's the best team in the pits by far. And I got in there and I just, I learned so much immediately. And, and you're and doing was, your engine, Mitch's program. And still to this day, if I, I'm not correct, I don't know a lot about it. You're doing your own motors. Yeah. You're building your whole bike. It's not, you're not a parts changer. You're an actual mechanic, correct? I learned so much there. And, and even when I interviewed with Mitch, I said, Hey, I've never been below the top end on a motorcycle ever. I've never taken a part of bottom end in my life. And I told him blatantly straight faced. And I think he liked that because I didn't lie. I didn't try to build myself up. I, I've simply promoted the things that I knew I could do. Yep. And I was truthful about the things I couldn't. And he's like, that's fine. We'll teach you the right way to do it. That's ex- you weren't, you weren't yeah. doing the Butler brothers way. Not that they, yeah. they're, they're doing it Mitch's way, which yep. a green willing to learn guys better than a guy that has some bad habits. Yeah. So he really liked that. I um, was a racer and a yep. fairly accomplished one. And he liked that. I went to school and I finished. He said, you finished it. That's, that was important to him. That's- he saw that I could do something A to Z. Um, and then, yeah, that first year it was, you know, at pro circuit, it's sink or swim. You figure it out or you get the fuck out. And that's right? rider and mechanic, a staff. Yeah, basically. And I, I learned so much and I worked my ass off. Who was your first rider? Ryan Morse. No way. <laughs> How crazy is that, that right? That is rad. So he's the, like, so if he, you he, haven't, I just told you in the garage, if you haven't listened to my Ryan Morris podcast, mm-hmm. I recommend everyone going back and listen to his recollection of his career in, in, you know, with, yeah. with you now, like that was when Weimer was there, right? Yep. Yep. So he has a really good story about that whole <laughs> dynamic and this is your podcast. So I want to go into you. So your first rider is Mo and yeah, what a high standard to start with. That guy's a workhorse. I mean, it was cool, dude. Like, um, <laughs> and, and again, we worked hard and we, did a lot that year and we tested our ass off and we showed up at Anaheim and we went one, two, Jake and Ryan went one, two. And I mean, I was, (laughs) I had my radio off that night. I remember, and they were, they were feeding me, um, 
I, it was just quiet on the radio and they're like, Hey, you didn't talk. Like, do you not talk during the race? I was like, no, I just, I was like, our guys were one, two and nobody was saying anything. So I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, we were giving you lap times, all kinds of shit. I was like, Oh fuck. My radio was off. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that year, you know, Mo got a lot of podiums. Um, yeah. we started a really great relationship together. I think that, you know, and we're still friends today. He's, yep. he was awesome. Hannah was awesome. Our chicks kind of hung out a little yep. bit. They, they became kind of our California friends in the beginning. Um, and then, yeah, we started meeting people and just really started enjoying California. Right. And my wife, um, you know, my girlfriend at the time, Erica, she transferred out here. She started law school out here. Um, that was a struggle for her. They didn't accept credits. Had she had to be a new student, all oh, kinds shit. of things. She got really sour on the entire le- legal system of schooling, how they grade you against each other and all kinds of stuff. And then she, she, um, transitioned into marketing and then ended up working for Tony Gardia's next level agency. Wow. Okay. And then today she's transitioned. She's taught herself to be a graphic artist. Yeah, and that's now okay. she's, I'm, I'm like learning about Erica yeah. as well. It's pretty rad. So now she's, she runs her own business out of the house. She's a graphic artist. She's, um, she has one really great client in, um, in the fashion industry. And yeah, she tries to stay in that industry and that's, that's what she likes. That's really cool. So you're not playing in the same mud puddle. That's, yes. that's really good. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Morris, um, as, as, you know, when people that go back and listen to his, he's very OCD, um, mm-hmm. hard worker. Um, yours very much the same. And that can be either a clashing moment or a very, for, uh, like very good combination. Right. Yeah. And one thing he did talk about was like Jake and Nicole, right. Mm-hmm. They, they, they like hunkered down together as teammates. They actually worked as a team to better themselves. And was that, was that weird, like, seeing how close they were? Like, they were rivals one and two? Or do you think that played into a part to their success? I mean, looking back now and, and you know, as the team changed over the years, 09, 10, and 11 were the best years in that, in that shop. Like, for some reason, everything clicked. All the riders clicked. All the mechanics clicked. There was never any drama. And that translated to, you Results. know, we did a lot on the track. That, I mean, in 2011, Pro Circuit only lost one moto outdoors. That's gnarly. We that went, we gnarly. went one, two, three, four at the shootout in Vegas in 2010. I remember that. It's never, I don't, I don't know that anybody's ever going to duplicate that. And now looking back, I was like, we're just in the moment, whatever we're trying to like, you don't even realize how gnarly that was. Mm-hmm. And that was cool. Um, I, I remember being, you know, privateer guy forever and ever and ever. And then filling in the factory KTM and just the aura around that pits, man. It was just very, um, defeating if you're racing against them yeah like it was it was really defeating like you just knew like i remember mo got his his, uh you built him his bike and his first bike and um he went brought out to star west and all of us friends logan Mm -hmm. darian myself back and we're just all looking at us like fuck you're on a pro circuit (laughs) and for a mechanic it's the same thing right yeah i mean just an aura around the machine in the in the process yeah you just like you see some of the parts you're putting in the engine and the way they do things and i mean they manufacture every single bolt and nut and they have us everyone loads their toolbox the same way so we can if we're in a fire drill we know where everyone's tools are at i mean you think of everything we practice pit stops i mean transmissions were sick like i just i was just impressed with and and i was like i was already kind of a perfectionist and anal at that point but i became another level there like it was that was all i cared about was and again you know again i'm in a different place now but as a mechanic that's that's that was the pinnacle yeah like i was i was stoked like we were traveling the world we were going different places we were winning races it was it was super fun it was awesome good times and the travel did that ever wear on you no, not in the beginning. I loved it. Um, again, it was just me and my chick out here and, and 
yeah, we had an apartment. We moved to Irvine for a bit. We we're renting an apartment. Everything was great. We, you know, I'd fly in on Sundays. We'd hang out. I'd be back to the shop Monday, doing my engine on a Tuesday, um, and then flying out again already on a Wednesday, building the bike on the parking lot on Thursday. Years go by fast. Yeah, Friday you set up, Saturday you race, Sunday you go home. You just rinse and repeat, right? Fuck. And then your riding moto <laughs> takes a backseat. Oh yeah, I, not, um, not even backseat. He just goes in the trunk. I sold my bike when I, um, I sold the bike that I had. I had a Honda 450 at the time. Sold it in Florida. Moved out to California and went to work and didn't ride for years. Okay. So. So you go through Pro Circuit. You're you you know um, one 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 rider that you worked with Morris. Who else? Uh, it was Ryan Morris, then Dean Wilson, Josh okay. Hanson for a little bit for oh. all his X Game stuff at PC. Hanny was my guy. Um, Hanny's a good friend, but too, like, you know, we, Dude, that guy, we've, that, we, we wow. spent time together many times. Yeah. Even our, you know, we spent a lot of time at Pastrana's house in, in Maryland when I was racing and I'm sure you remember the story of Pastrana's Corvette crash. Yes. That was my mechanic at the time. No way. So yeah, I was, uh, we did a Loretta Lynn's regional. Then we were traveling to do, go do the Bud's Creek national. Um, and yeah, I got to Travis's house. Travis is a friend of mine. We've, we met years and years ago and he said, yeah, come stay at my house for Buzz Creek. No problem. And then, yeah, you know, the story there you got in an accident. That was my mechanic at the time. So we spent the night in the hospital. He was, he was in the hospital for days and I ended up going, um, staying at Nick Avenue's house for the week, me and Hanny. And I was supposed to practice and be getting ready for Buzz Creek. And dude, I, I, it was, it was a mess, right? Like we were emotional. It was tough. So, but yeah, went to Buzz Creek that weekend myself and actually had the best result probably in my pro career there which was weird how that works but um but yeah so like you know that was a lot of it too right that's another reason why i stopped racing is i lost my travel buddy yeah the guy that was on the road with me i didn't have anybody go the race with me so i was supposed to do the nationals that year i ended up doing four and i had to go home damn a lot lot of highs and lows the sport gives us right yeah it's like like reacting and and and, and, and it seems like you're very nimble in your thought process to, to take like the lemon and make some lemonade out of it right and, yeah. and, and maintain those relationships a lot of people i think the sport relationships are probably one of the biggest things that you can build like yeah you can have absolutely. a fast motor but if you don't have good relationships you ain't gonna you ain't gonna go very far yeah know? and i mean that's I, I, it's always been easy for me i think in this sport to have good relationships i mean i don't i don't talk to anybody that i talk to from high school yeah no. i don't i don't have any like all my friends are in this sport and yeah. they're they're that's the thing I think that's special with the sport. And that's why I want to keep my son involved in is you meet great people You do, and people you can trust people. You, you know, if you go home from race, you can send your son home with, with your buddies, kids yeah. and they can hang out at their house and you pick them up later. Like there's, they're just good people in racing. Speaking of good people, the Wilsons. So you work for Hanny, you work Morris Hanny, and then mm-hmm. you go into the Wilson with Wilson's man, the trials and tribulations of that, that dude's seen and you know, a lot of them were at pro circuit. Um, he was a sought after amateur, you know, yeah. and then you guys won two titles together. No, just one, just one yeah. outdoor outdoor title. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was cool. I met Dean in, um, the off season of 2000 or prior to the 2010 season. And again, it was just like, he just kind of became my, my little brother. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. I was spending Thanksgivings at their house. You know, Jackie and Andy would kick, cook us dinner. And, and again, we didn't have family out here. So they became our family and they were great people and Dean was driven and I was driven and we just, we ticked up the boxes quick, right? Like he accomplished a lot. Like I was, I was achieving things through him and helping him that I never thought I'd be able to do. Um, and it was awesome. Like, and again, he'd be, you know, even when he got stuck in Canada, he lived with me for a little bit. Like we were just, we were homies. Like, and we got along great. And it was the, you know, 
it was it was awesome. He's still obviously a lifelong friend today, right? Yeah, and you know he he had a very successful career at Pro Circuit, won a lot of races, won the championship. Then he he goes on to a lot of highs and low, a lot of lows, yeah. low time, a lot of injuries. And was it two years ago, right? Two years ago, he built his own program with, and you support him. Yeah, that was 2019, I think. Yeah, gosh. So two years ago, Dean Wilson's out of ride, hasn't had anything. He gets released from Husky the year before, right? He was. Not I on think the team. so. So yes, I, I don't want to mess the timeline up a little bit, but Bobby Hewitt owns Rockstar Husqvarna. He. Dean has some injuries. He's plagued with injuries. He comes back. He has nothing. So Dean decides to build his own program. Now you're at Pro Taper. Yeah. So we can go back to Pro Taper a little bit before we finish this. So you're full time brand manager, marketing manager, kind of catch all. There's only one or two people for Pro Taper down in yeah. Irvine, right? Yeah. And you're running the brand. Yeah. I, I mean, that was a, I transitioned to Pro Taper after um, I went there after I think my last season at Pro Circuit was 2012. Okay. And then actually ended up going into Answer Racing as marketing manager. And okay. that quickly changed to Pro Taper four months later because there was wow. a vacancy there. My buddy Charles Casu left. Yep. And Dave Casella at the time was like, hey, I think you'd be good at this. You are a mechanic. Your mm-hmm. dad was a machinist. Like, you'll fit Pro Taper. And I got in that seat and I loved it. Um, but the, yeah, fast forward there, all the things I did at pro taper, that instance you're talking about with Dean, um, Husky was kind of taking care of the bike during the week and he needed help on the weekends. And I was like, yeah, I'll help my buddy out for sure. And dude, the guy almost won, almost won. won the first race. Like that was nuts. That would have been quite the Cinderella story, yeah, right? Cause yeah. we never, we never went and did a 450 race together Yeah. because, um, yeah, I transitioned to pro taper when he was going to 450s. So, I mean, there's something to be said about having that trust in a mechanic and in a friend, um, and I know you play it down like, Oh, I have to do is hold the pit board out and like shine the bike up. <laughs> There's a lot more to it on a race day being mm-hmm. calm, collected, organized on time, keeping the, you know, cause you're, you're in this, you're driving yourself, but they bring the bikes. I mean, it's yeah. very, of a very unorganized situation that had to come to like fruition on the day and work like premix and yeah. gas right yeah like if there's you know he's he's upselling his you know his his turf and his grass out in the pits and he's doing everything to make revenue and you were all part of like keeping him focused and i think that catapults him back onto the rocks for husky Barna team yeah it, it was honestly the coolest little mix because it's it's dean it's myself it's sam his longtime riding coach and it's andy wilson and i think part of that for dean is is how well Andy and I get along. Yep. Um, we never butt heads and Andy has really great trust in me. And I think Dean sees that and that all comes full circle. Like it's just, he's just in a better, he was in a very good place with that little crew that we had. And it was, it was so fun. I mean, again, leading Anaheim, uh, I think I worked for him for five races and he was in the top five, four of the five. Like he, ex- he exceeded everybody's like, expectations. When you were done, you're like, I'm out. And I did my job. It was, you uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, Hey, my goal is to help get you in that semi over there. And hopefully that happens before the series goes to Minneapolis. Cause <laughs> it's going to get tricky after that. And yeah, yeah. And yeah it, 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 it worked out. Um, I have a funny story about the Wilson. So I've watched him. I remember seeing him at Kahia when he came down from Canada and he's like 14, 15 on his cow. He just mm-hmm. super squirrely M2R helmet, just like gassing it. And then I was doing all the development uh, for KTM and in 2006 we were working with uh, Leighton Rice the engine builder and we were working on these like, fire breathing dragon mm-hmm. engines and there was this money race at Barona Oaks Okay, it's called Mini Nationals Dean just came off like a tear um, in 06 winning all amateur races like no one could touch him mm-hmm. goes to Canada wins so he's like gonna go to this money race and just clean up dude. yeah 
Well, my bike was, I'm not joking, probably six horsepower faster than his. <laughs> and I was, and I grew up at that track and mm-hmm. I knew it. But I mean, the kid out, out talented me. I was 26 at the time. So mm-hmm. he's 18, 17. Mm-hmm. I, I go, I were racing and, and this is funny because I'm getting ready to take my first flight to Australia to see Sarah the mm-hmm. next day. Mm-hmm. But I want to grab some cash before I go. Sure. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. So I'm like, shit. This Dean Wilson kid's here. He's fast, but my bike's dope. I felt like a lot of confidence. Factory factory bike. Yeah. And we're just doing R and D and durability testing. And there's an uphill at this track. And he he passes me like through these whoops, just like greases the whoops. And then there's like a long drag race, and I just go fucking blown by him. Because you, yeah, your engine's ripping. <laughs> and, and, and and he freaked out like spazzing out because he hadn't been passed all year mm-hmm. no one's passed him and i freaking pass him i'm like feeling it and then dude he's come by me in the hoops again there's a step up and he scrubs it and cross jumps me in the air like just full a rider mm-hmm. cleans me out fourth year pinned in the air i just eat shit i have a hematoma to this day because of dean wilson wow. i come off the track and i'm fucking screaming Pissed. at the kid what yeah. the fuck you know you little f- every f-bomb freaking old man Wilson gets in my face and he's like Rrr. I'm like listen get out of my face your boy signs up for the pro class he needs to put his big boy pants on get out of my face this is a man's mm-hmm. race you're out of it and I remember Andy like was like wanted to punch me then was like you're right handle it Dean you know <laughs> and since that day Andy's like my buddy mm-hmm. like that's one of those families they they're so want to win so bad but they're not afraid to check their pride and I think that's one thing I, and I'll never forget that. And Dean, I'm like, super, I'm a super fan of Dean Wilson yeah. of their family and what they've done. And it's like, that's my little, like I, back in the day, son, I was cleaned out by that guy. It like, yeah. almost broke my femur, but it was, it was a um, story I hang on to. Cause I, it was these kids learning to, to make that step. And yeah. I was an established guy that like, you know, mm-hmm. race makes main events in supercross. And he just was not used to being passed. So it was, it was interesting to see, like building that relationship with Dean and then seeing you like with him and then everything transforming into what he is now. Um, so you, you, uh, you, you go do that and, and you get through the pro taper stuff and you're with Dean and you make, you, you put that brand on your back. One thing like I I have to say is like you were pro taper at that time, right? Like, yeah, I remember a story, me and you were, we were just acquaintances through industry and you freaking lost it on me. Cause I w- did a photo shoot with a different, I did a, a ODI. I left KTM and did an ODI review mm-hmm. and I, I, you lost it on me cause you gave me handling bars and sprockets and you're like, what the fuck? I gave you those bars or however it went down. You know what I mean? You, you represent an ODI and I took a step back. I'm like, well, I could have handled that different, but at the same time, I loved your passion. Yeah. Right. Like I, I loved your passion. And I think, I mean, I, I think we're both guilty of it um, in our younger years that our passion uh, kind of takes hold of our emotions a little Blinds bit. Blinds us a yes. little bit, right? And I've learned to, I've learned to kind of take a deep breath and approach things a little bit differently, you know, and you learn that through experience and time and getting older. Right. But yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we wouldn't be was... probably as good of friends now if we didn't have that moment. Yeah. Because like I really, at first I wanted to like punch back. Mm-hmm. Right. But I really respected you because I've seen what you did in your career. I mean, and, and to go into the story, I just left KTM. I didn't have a bike. Dom has been a great mentor and friend of mine. He's like, Hey, we re- review these ODI yeah. bars. And I was a pro taper guy at the time. And I, you supported me and my family. So when you see me endorsing essentially an ODI bar, it doesn't look that good because I didn't give you the situation up front. Exactly. So if I would have been yeah, up front it, with it, yeah. it, it wouldn't have put you on the back foot. 
and then come out swinging. So it always boils down to communication. communication. Yeah, always, always. <laughs> so, like so. that's something, and and you learn that through your yeah, career through your and things right? you run into and and things that happen. You learn you learn that stuff. I so. remember driving to Paul and you, and actually going to an answer photo shoot with Valade, and I was really bummed. Like I wasn't even mad at you. I was like, I bummed because I let you down, right? And let let the brand down. Like you didn't support me, the brand did, but you represented the brand, and I'm like. I have a bar pad in my actual van to switch for this photo shoot and I'm trying to do everything right and I blew it and I was so <laughs> bummed on myself and you apologized to me, I apologized to you and it was water on the bridge because you're a professional and like that thing, that's what I really, like my our first working relationship thing, like when you give free product to people and you support people, it's one thing but like when you can grow together and learn, you mm-hmm. know, and you're, 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 I saw really early on because I always was trained to make things better, make yeah. things better. I could see your your passion to make things better within Pro Taper. Yeah, and, yeah. And you did. You made a lot of cool stuff, and um, uh, you you worked through that. And man, all of a sudden, I see like a PR, and you're you're working with Renthal. And let's go through that journey of leaving something that you helped build, and the, like the why you, you don't have to go into why you did, but like how hard it was to start something new that you actually helped leave something that you helped rebuild and make a powerhouse. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm really proud of what I accomplished and did at pro taper and you know, all the things, all the new products and just, you know, kind of rearranging things. And, and, and yeah, it, it, it again, I learned so much there and it felt like a one man show because it was just myself, a designer and, and a customer service guy. Right. And then we're part of this organization. You're seeing your sales grow. You're doing these things like it. That was my new, my new thing carrot to chase right like yeah. we're all competitive we yep. all need to get that fixed somehow so to me it was i was getting that out of a spreadsheet i was like i want to see these sales grow every single month i want to do hit this i want to hit that and that was fun and yeah pro taper um was my baby at the time um but as with everything things change pro taper was part of a larger organization that was owned by private equity and that really started weighing on me over time all the different meetings and the pivoting and the spreadsheets and the analysis paralysis and the not ability to do this because of this and all, like it, just this huge hierarchy um when it, all we it, want to do is make good product and sell it and move forward yeah like it, it just I, it just i was like man it doesn't have to be this complex i was like we're making a a gas station into a space station. Yeah, we're basically. not cancer. Yeah, like, and again, I was like, this is this is motocross, this is power sports, and I'm I'm walking into meetings with guys in suits that have these Harvard educations, and and they talk down on you, and they speak to you in a way just you know because yeah, I mean, I went to college, but I'm not I'm not their business acumen, right? I'm still a dirty mechanic, a dirty dirt biker. Um, so that really took time for me to understand that, and then to gain the confidence that you know, I think I, I understand that like, um, you know, a lot of, and I started looking at other businesses and private equity and power sports just doesn't always seem to work. And when you have these people making these business decisions that don't own a motorcycle, that have never walked into a dealer, have never been to a race in their life. It's, they don't know your customer and they don't know, you know, and again, when you get intimidated, when you see their resume and all the things they've done and worked, but the cool part about our industry is that if you're an enthusiast, you can, and you understand our customer and, and you can, those skills can trump that, that awesome education in our industry. Yes. Maybe in any enthusiast based industry. So maybe yes. in like, you know, surfing, marine surf. Biking. Yes. I think it's all a little different. So they come to our industry and they want to apply their same business practices that they've applied ever, 
in other industries and it oftentimes doesn't work, right? They're looking at your, your marketing spend and your sale of marketing to sales and all these different things that you're doing and the way you're marketing. And it just became like, I kept interviewing for my own job. I kept having yes. to prove myself to these, to this rotating panel of upper management. Wow. And so it's like, it's like, shit, all this equity that I built in myself and these relationships, they keep getting just rotated through and it got, it got tough. And I was seeing my ability to lose running and, 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 uh, operating pro taper in the manner that I felt it would continue to keep growing. And the, yeah, and the manner that tiring. I wanted to, and, I, and again, I, I felt like pro taper was the exception to a lot of things yep. in that organization at the time. I was like, pro taper's doing this. I see this is what's happening with these brands and these companies, but look, pro taper's doing this. I was like, why can't we continue doing what we're doing? And it's, yeah, you're part of that big corporate mess, right? So I think, um, it started becoming more frustrating for me because of that. And, um, you know, throughout that time I had, you know, I had become friends with the rental guys because for a while their rental was part of the same organization. That's interesting. Yeah. So yeah, that's a long story, but yeah, yeah. I guess to put it shortly, rental and pro taper were both owned by the same private equity company for a while. So we're sitting in business meetings or in, in, in meetings and I'm seeing their sales. They're seeing our sales. It's like, you, it's like Dean telling back his line choice. Yeah. It's weird. Right. <laughs> So there was a lot of conversations and ideas back then, but in the end, um, Renthal finally bought their brand back and became the independent brand. I wanted to again get back to being. Hey, did you have like a, a, a aha moment then? Like was that or not, not at the time? Oh, okay. When I saw that happen, I you know I was just like, huh, okay. And I learned. I was still learning a lot. I had a really good boss at the time. I went through five different bosses in my five years at Pro Taper, so that gives you an idea of keep having to prove yourself, right? Um, but then, yeah, I stayed in contact with those guys and, and then I just started picking up their phone calls more and started talking more. And then, yeah, just at one day, you know, Tom, the general manager at Renthal was just like, you're working for the wrong brand. Called you out. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I've been a Renthal guy my whole life. Like I've always been sponsored by Renthal yeah, yeah. pro circuit. I was Renthal, you yep. know, BSY Yamaha was Renthal. And, um, they've always, you know, I always strive to pro circuit to try to get our product level to their level. They set the benchmark when it comes to anything in our industry so um then yeah like it just it lined up i was just like you know what yeah let's talk about it It, it's interesting you say that because i was only and we only had a business relationship at the time really i only uh switched to pro tape because of you that's cool like like (laughs) like i was at answer we were doing some product stuff and i was like we're going into your office i'm like you probably couldn't be bothered but i'm like man i just want to work with one group yeah like you a valade yeah and, and like i don't want to have this person there and like I was just more test guy lifestyle guy I wasn't a character I'm not going to bring you number one plates but I'm like I took a lot of pride in my bikes and what I did it and I was like well, tell me what you got going on and you're like kind of like well I don't really need you but this is what I'm doing like mm-hmm. not, not in a offensive way but I was like it gravitates it's a you hit on a chick that at the bar and she doesn't give you really the time of day but you keep hit on her <laughs> and, then you're like, and then she's like well this guy's not that bad actually so yeah like I run pro taper still because the, it's one of those decisions. Like you got me in, you know, and I use the product and the product you were working on the product before I did. Yeah. I started liking the product and I'm like, but I was a rent guy forever. Yeah. Because of the brand. Sure. The brand, I, I you know, the brand was so strong. It, like yeah. the, the Simon Cubby images, like yeah. it, everything it's iconic. Was, yeah. Yeah. And I was just like so proud, of, but then there's some change there. Brad Cameron was no longer there and I was getting product, but there was, I was getting product. I remember telling you that I think yeah, I told you, I was like, hey, man, I'm getting product whenever I need it. Mm-hmm. That wasn't a problem. But 
I'm not supporting anyone. I'm not part of the movement. Right. There was no movement. It yeah. was just like, it was a skew. Check that, send that. Like, yeah. you don't, I didn't feel like I was doing anything for anyone and I wanted to be part of something and like I seen your blood, sweat, tears, your passion and I'm like, this guy's on it. I want to rock pro taper because their social media presence mega. They're yeah. they're they're at the races. They have a they they make you want to hustle to be wanted. And that was really my decision to, to switch to pro taper. And then you were very transparent on product, you know, and like what I shouldn't use or what yeah. I should use. And I was like, yeah. this guy's bad. Like, okay, and how can I help you? How can I be a part of like this movement? You know, and then yeah. I start changing my 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 direction as in a career, and I'm mainly not I'm not going through very many bars and mm-hmm. I, well the stock bar is pretty good I'll put the paper <laughs> bar on so I'm not you know very useful to you but you go on a rental and I'm working with Valade now when I say working I Valade gives me stickers to put on my swing arm and mm-hmm. I get some sprockets and stuff um but I see I see what you're doing at rental and I, I really like what the brand saw in you because it's changed that thought of what I had yeah like there's a movement now there's 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 some and, and nothing against Randy or Pro Taper. I, I, I'm still using this stuff, but I, I love to see like someone not owning a space and someone, you know, yeah. market share and visual rental. They still own it from the outside looking in, but internally we knew it was not what it was. Yeah, it was getting stale for sure. I mean, it, it went through a bunch of different ownership changes. They had the same staff for a while. Um, they were they went through the bankruptcy that Tucker and Parts and I'm sorry, Tucker and Mag and Pro Taper also went through. Um, and then, yeah, it was just, it was just like, man, we really want you to help reinvigorate the brand. And when they said that, I was like, that's really complimentary that they think I can, I can do that. And then I've learned that, you know, all the things that we're working on, and I've only been at Renthal just over a year now, you're really not going to see the results of what we're doing until 24, 36 months down the road. Right. So we have, we have a lot of cool product ideas coming, some throwback stuff that I think people are really going to gravitate to. Can you give us any hint to some stuff? I mean, like I know you did. I'll just say retro might be the theme. Okay, cool. Um, Cool. So just some, just, and again, just, I I love getting in the middle of Renthal now and, and just seeing how they go through things. I've learned so much, you know, because they're not just a, I would always use Apple and IBM as a as a uh, an analogy for Pro yep. Taper and Renthal. So um, Pro Taper is kind of like Apple. It's designed in California, manufactured in Asia, where IBM is designed and manufactured by the same company, yep. and that's what Renthal is. So being a manufacturer, open, you know, is this whole other challenge and dealing with raw material and staff and all these different things. Um, but the, just their process of building product is second to none. Just the way they go through safety checks and development um, at Pro Taper, oftentimes it was, it was like, hey, you said you're going to recognize revenue in this year. You need to recognize revenue in this year. At Renthal, it's well, the product's not done yet. So we said we wanted it now, but it's not done yet. So I like it's going to wait. It is it is paramount that the product's right before anything happens. Everything else goes to the wayside. Any plans, any launch dates, any money spent already, if the product's not right, change it all. The product has to be right first. And that's the coolest thing is because I'm I'm kind of a perfectionist, anal type guy, right? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And you, you probably hated, like I said earlier, you were transparent about product to me at, at Pro Taper. You're like, hey, that's clutch perch. I wouldn't use it. Like you're like, a, like, 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 yeah. like, and I respect that, right? Because I'm a brand guy. I like to be all in, right? Yeah. And like I would use your stock one. You and, know? and that's my, I think my style, like I didn't want to... I don't ever want to be perceived as a slimy salesman. Yes, it's part of my job to sell. Yes. But that's not my style. My style is to tell a story, 
give my experience that hopefully people will trust and see that I have real world life, mechanical, whatever experience. And I'm Mm -hmm. giving them my honest opinion and they can choose for themselves. I'll simply tell you the benefits. I, I, I don't like to talk down to any of our competitors. I think it's a real kind of cowardly way to go about trying to accomplish your goal. Absolutely. And, um, and yeah, just let people decide for themselves, give them the information. And do you feel it, uh, with Rinthal, it's, um, I think you actually told me this when you left. It was it was a product marketing sales, and then it was rent per taper was sales marketing product. Yeah, kind of. Like and, like like, and I don't want to keep going back to that other mm-hmm. other companies, other companies. Yes. Let's call other companies that we know. Um, like you you look at like a Honda, right? I think they go. You know, me me and you've never worked there, so I'm talking about Honda, and it's much sales marketing product when at a launch and mm-hmm. the race team kind of fixes it where like KTM's product marketing hope return to sale. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as soon as you learn, lose that quality and that culture too, culture is huge. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, we, we work closer with Honda now and, and I've learned a lot about their business, you know, cause pro rental is an OEM supplier. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I, I forget that relationship lot, change. Yeah, it's yeah, a lot yeah. different. Honda's a pretty impressive brand and company the way they approach things but um yeah i mean i I just i just really love my spot at renthal now and and it's i'm taking on more responsibility um i think there's a lot more coming as far as what we can do with marketing and product and and um really like my one of my big focuses is i want to try to make sure the brand has something new every 12 months and i think that is paramount in in momentum right yeah, like yeah we yeah. need to have something new to talk about and it's oftentimes tricky because again what i just said is the product's not ready till it's ready so and especially now with the covid pandemic oh my and gosh raw Ma- material shortages yep. shortages all these different things have changed our plans entirely so it's up to uh, it's up to you know our crew at rental and myself to come up with other ideas that maybe we can accomplish somehow else or, or a different product that doesn't require raw, this raw material or something right yep you got to pivot um, and try to still accomplish and achieve your goals. So um, it's a unique time right now that we're in with, with what's happening in yeah. power sports, with how it's been affected, which I think everybody in power sports is grateful that it's been kind of a surge this year, yeah, yeah. end of end of last year, start of this year, when it was really scary for a while, like in, you know, Q1, Q2 time. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, it's such a cool brand. And it's, it's nice working for a company that our, our meetings are oftentimes started just by bench racing about what happened on Saturday. It's not just spreadsheet 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 so so when you talk about bench racing you're a racer still in your heart right like yeah. you've reinvented yourself as a racer uh you're you won the plus 25 class or was it plus 30 at loretta's uh, i won plus 30 at loretta's two years ago right uh 20 2015, 2015. So five years ago now shit time yeah. flies that's it like you know we we getting older like it's like almost laughable <laughs> to us but any loretta's title is very special it really, it really is. And, and that, <laughs> like, I mean, I is. worked my ass off for that one. And again, like now that I've, you know, cause I feel like I kind of quit early Yep. to, you had to, to follow, business, right? yeah, to follow my professional career. And now I, I'm getting 
I'm enjoying vet racing on the other side. And I still, I feel like I'm still getting a little bit, I'm still getting better. Like I'm still faster. Yeah. Fastest, but you're better. I just, I know so more, so much more now about, you know, just uh, preparation and training and race bike setup. I just know, I just want to take those tools to the race and see it. And and yeah, I'm getting more success now as a vet that I almost had as an amateur. I think you saw that with me when I was done. Yeah. I started like biting the KTM bike got better, but man, I started figuring things out. Like we raced at uh, Glen Helen one me and Nate dog and oh yeah it was like and, a qualifier yeah, Loretta's qualifier I was fast then like fat, probably faster than I ever was as a pro uh-huh. like because I was dialed in my bikes were good I, yeah my family life was like I had a solid you have a good program yeah, and, yeah right? routine and then I seen that with you and then like you, you you got you win 2015 Loretta's and I remember how pumped like we didn't know each other that well but on social media and everything like and I was like that is, I, I know, because I did it in... Yeah, you won there before, too. Yeah, like I didn't win as an amateur, right? I was top, my right. best was a third, and then I come back and won the two-stroke, the inaugural two-stroke thing yeah. when it was open for yeah. everyone. Yeah, And I beat some 17-year-old kids and yeah. shit, but I was pumped. Like, Yeah, I mean, winning there is special, and, and again, I felt like my parents took me there for so many years, and the best I ever did was uh, fifth super yeah. mini, super mini class, and I finally felt like... You know, that place is just, it's, it's the ultimate test in motocross. It's the highest, it's the, the biggest thing an amateur can go and do. So that's why I like to go and do it mm-hmm. is because it's so, it's three motos. It's a packed gate. You're going to get a mud race. Track. You're going to get a mud race. Yes. I mean, it's, you, it tests every skill you can think. It's the, it's the biggest test to me. And that's why I like going. And, and also it's just, it's a special place for me in that I spent my summer there every yeah. year growing up. And now I you know, I took my son there this year and we're driving golf carts and we're in the Creek. Dude. Like it's the experience. I, of followed, your, I followed your experience like virally, right? <laughs> Social media. Yeah. And, um, you didn't, you came into this year really prepared. Yeah. Right. But th- was it more pressure trying to like get back that title? You think? Or? Yeah. I mean, I think it's always pressure because once you've won there before you, you, the no, goal you is can. to win again. Right. Yeah. Like, so if you don't win, you're a little let down, but I think I, I enjoyed my time there and this this time and rode really good and i'm happy with how i got a eighth and fourth um so you know i'm, I'm gonna keep going it's just it's just fun to go and do that race and i think that's what's really um, impressive is there's a balance and there's a sacrifice right like you don't do things unless you're prepared yeah right like and my i'm the same way like yeah. i won't go and do something unless i can be prepared or or, or have and have fun yeah. right um but the sacrifice erica has to make parks for us sure. to do that but then you have to work, you have to ride, there's a lot of planning, like, and when you ride, you have to have, like, a structure of, this is what I'm doing on this day, which also helps us ride, because going and riding for, for fun is, is actually being prepared for me, not, yeah. we're not going out and doing opposite whips, or, no, doing, no, no, those are long gone. You get in, do your work, <laughs> and get out, and you have to stay on a schedule, and you obviously have work, and you have meetings, and you have all these different things, and you try to delegate it all, and be a good dad, and be a good husband, and, and, and split your time the way it all seems, and that's yep. part of the challenge for me, yeah. like, it's almost, it's, it's almost like rush. fun, yeah, it's like, I can do all these things, and be great at all these things, I can yep. do that, and and yeah, again, it just goes back to being around people that you enjoy to be around, and I like being around dirt bike people. Yeah, it, it's a it's a big family. Yeah, it really is, and I uh, <clears throat> I hope to get back here and race Loretta's possibly one day after I move to Oz with my son and be and have him register as an Australian racing Loretta's. I think that'd that would be, be really cool. cool. That would be cool. Um, but I think that look, if you haven't done Loretta's as a a young man, your family, or you didn't qualify. Don't you recommend like a guy in the 25 plus try to get there? Cause it's easiest region in the world as a vet to qualify it out of here. You mean? Yes. Out of yeah, California, out of West, California, SoCal region, even NorCal. Cause most vets have to work so they can't, 
It's hard to get to Tennessee if, when you're in Washington, right? Yes. So but yeah, it's if it, you're in Georgia as a vet rider or like around the Tennessee area, <laughs> dude, good luck. That's almost the toughest class. It is. It's tough, and and I mean. Again, that's what I love about it is you're getting the best of the best. It's this whole qualifying system. And, and I grew up doing qualifiers on the East Coast, yep. and it was gnarly. Because everyone really has – it's like us racing Mammoth. Yeah. Because yeah. everyone can get there. Yes. Right? So I think that's where – you know, I'd argue with Tim Cotter back in the day about um, it's not the best guys in the in the, in the world racing Loretta as, as in the B class. I'd still make the argument because mm-hmm. they can dodge classes. But True. in True. the vet class, though, like there's only like two classes. <laughs> yeah, and, and you're you have not to getting. Show up, you yeah. have to show up. You know, um, like I said, it, it's a. I recommend if you haven't gone to Loretta's as a amateur and you want to go as a 25 plus, 30 plus, 40 plus guy, do it. Kiefer, you got to Kiefer try, yeah. just got his title. You know, yeah, he and, went for that for a long time. And he understands how special it is. Like, there's a special feeling to winning at Loretta's. And you literally, Kiefer put in the work. He, he deserved did. it. Like, Absolutely. It, it take, you cannot win there. You can't fake it there. Yes, you can't. Like, which is cool. So that's what makes it feel so great when you do good there. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, I, I love the path I've been able to take through this industry, right? And and I think the real unique thing that I'm most proud of is I have a college, a college degree. I have a number one plate as a professional mechanic and i have a number one plate from loretta lens like that's that's three things i think you know i've also introduced new products like i'm i i i want to try to leave my mark on the industry that i love i guess yeah yeah i don't know if i'm doing that i'm trying to but i I just want to be successful and progress and get better every year and try to do more well i think you've left a a few marks and i'm sure you have a a lot more to come you know as far as like (laughs) what you're what's to come for you i think you have a i know you have a bright future and whatever you do you do at a high level um let's kind of go into like that dad life right i have you know parks is seven six 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 now he's six. a year younger than my noah yeah um uh one product that we both got to do is um work on a little bit was the stasic project yeah right and kind of talk about like you know parks riding and how that stasic was kind of you got the E, the KTM E50. Yeah. And so Parks is full E. Like, he's he, full E. He is. Like, um, and again, I was obviously, I'm a moto dad. I wanted to get him involved. <laughs> so I got him a gas 50 for his, like, fourth birthday. And he rode it once and he didn't like it. It was too loud. <laughs> didn't like the way the power, like, it scared him a bit. But um, he was already tearing up his Stasic at that time, right? Yep. And the Stasic is so cool because you can teach them a throttle in a, in a, in an environment and on a, on a, bike that's not going to scare them it's easy for mom to throw it in the back of the truck right it's such a awesome product that rags yeah. came up with yeah, and, it's and amazing. i mean he's really changed the industry. he's changed the industry he's made a difference that i don't even know if he realizes it but he's creating new customers and it's it's super cool so i it's we're very fortunate i i hope all our kids realize how fortunate they are um, for the lives that they left and all yeah. our little crew here in, in Marietta to make our kids yeah. have had, you know, they've raced Anaheim on their stasics. Unbelievable. They've gotten to do some really <laughs> cool things. So hopefully they look back and, and, and can and appreciate value. what rags yes. teaching for Robbie Raglan, his young, his, uh, one of his boys is allowed the, the motorcycle enthusiasts like ourselves, let our kids do. Yeah. Right. And you know, our kids can ride a stasic, 
you know, Mason was riding his still. He's he's now nine, and he's mm-hmm. riding it still. He's big on it. But we were putting in um, the first brushless motor. Mike Detmer's the brand yeah. manager. And you, yeah, we did and, it at my house. At yeah. your house for that photo shoot. And I remember like, oh, my God, these things are overwhelming to work <laughs> on. It's, I never was an RC car guy. Yeah. But to see parks, like, understanding the speed difference and, the, and how fast they go and, like, just the camaraderie they can have in a cul-de-sac. And they're still using the throttle, and they're still having to understand the consequence of making poor choices. Sure. And then – you know, I was very envious of you having that E50 because Mason was on the, the later, latter end of like needing a 50. But yeah. I was, that bike's going to, that bike's an amazing game changer for like the stepping stones of riding. It really is because I saw it myself. Like he didn't want to ride that gas 50 at that young age. And then he grew up on a Stasic kind of. So then I was just like, man, this bike's pretty expensive, but <laughs> screw it. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to try one more time. I sold that other 50 and got him this and he absolutely loves it. And it's the coolest bike how you can, you can raise the, raise the body work. You can raise the suspension and lower it. Like he can, he's going to get five, six years out of that bike. Absolutely. You can ride it from four to eight years old. Yep. Where we did the mini, like I did the 50 SX mini KTM. Yeah. And then the power, same thing scared my boys. Yeah. So as soon as they're able to ride it, they're actually too tall for it. Yes. Then you get the bigger one, and then it, it's just a kind of a wonky process, you right? Know? If there, there's a, the the kid that's an anomaly, the the Vincent Way, the the um, the Aiden Zing that can can understand it. Mm-hmm. My boy and your boy weren't those boys that could understand like the when the clutch hits and they weren't on Cobras. So like for KTM to have that interim bike that allows them to to still love the sport and not kind of regress from it, I think is really cool. Yeah, because now I'm I'm not worried about him transitioning to a 65 one day or something. Like he's gotten the the feeling now of, of what riding a motorcycle does for yeah. you, just like, you know, the freedom of it and the challenge. And, um, so yeah, that's the coolest little bike. It's so easy for a dad to work on too. Like all I do is hit it with some chain lube and charge it. It's so that's cool. That's awesome. That's so. awesome. No, it's, um, I, 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 uh, I see that I, I, I see, I don't know if that bike's going to bring in new riders per se. That was a big selling point. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to retain more riders and give parents like you and me an opportunity to, to ride more convenient and maybe that spreads yeah through the neighborhood yes things like that but yeah. i don't i think their initial story was to bring in new riders and i i challenge that to this day that's just my opinion mm-hmm. because the barrier to entry is too high and then right it's they, quite expensive yeah. and then the parent from irvine or orange County that's never been a dirt bike track their first experience could be at lake elsinore or at paris raceway and the class of people we're still dirt bikers yep right so that there's i think there's that's just my thought but sure. at the same time kudos to the ktm group again continuously to raise the bar yeah right um, yeah, yeah um going moving on man I, I think uh you know we touched on your career your professional career dad life like what do you i'm kind of on a on, on one with like teaching the, the unknown like the parents that are new yeah and, and we're new parents to like raising a kid with racing but i think our group of friends have understood what's right wrong morris with crew you know, Robbie Madison with, you know, Cruzy and Jagger and mm-hmm. Rocco and the ways, like I see a lot of us friends. I'm like very, have a very proud to say my friends are doing things on the outside and looking right. You know, what is some advice you can give to not only new parents, but sponsored riders, parents, what, what's the path that you could tell yeah. them? Man, I, that's, that's tricky. Right. And it's, it's, I, I am con- confident in knowing that I know the right way to do, go about that. And, and, you know, things to do and not to do, but it's tough for new parents that don't know the sport. So like, I think it's important for parents, um, new to the sport to find people like, 
like like the people that we are, right? That have that are lifelong enthusiasts that have kind of been in it and seen it from different angles, you know, worked on professional teams or worked at brands or understand how sponsorship works, understand how the racing schedule works. And I think it's important for parents to form relationships like that. So you can pick these people's brain and take the right steps with your son. Right. And it's not about creating a champion. It's about just, um, spending your money the right way and getting the right things out of everything that you're doing. Right. The values that the kids learn and, and, and just taking the right steps because obviously motocross can be dangerous quickly. Right. And it can turn a lot of people off, but it's also, I think the benefits of the sport far outweigh the the risks that everyone takes when they ride a motorcycle. You know, obviously we all know what we're getting ourselves into, but but you can you can make it pretty safe if you're if you're experienced and you're doing the right things, right? Yep, so I, I think don't one, send your kit your fifty out at Glen Helen on a Thursday. That's number. Don't do that. I think it's between <laughs> nine to eleven. You don't go. You don't go. You don't go until you're nine to eleven, like a ten year old, eleven year old maybe. But yeah. Like I, I I thought about Show taking up at Mason 12. on there. Yeah. yeah. I like like Josh Grant, right? I I don't know Josh that well. I mean, just through this our neighborhood really, our surrounding area. But he took a long time with Wyatt. Like he wasn't exposing Wyatt, his oldest and or his youngest, yeah. to racing, and then when it was time, Josh just put the wood to it, and Wyatt now they're is, into it. They're into it. I yeah. mean, the pandemic's taken baseball. Wyatt's a very talented kid. Yeah, he's very driven. Like Crew Morse is the same way. Yeah, um, they, they, <clears throat> they they when they put their mind to something, they really can go for it. Um, but they they didn't rush it. Josh didn't race fifties. Yeah. Wyatt could probably win a 10, 9 to 11, 65 race. And the kids only race six times, right? Like, because yeah. he knew the process that, sure. that, like, he, and then one parent that I think that has done a very good job that I helped mentor as a parent more than the child, because he asked questions was Scott Mumford. Mm-hmm. Scott Mumford asked me a lot of questions and mm-hmm. Mitch a lot of questions and he built relationships and he was always the one to bring a, a case of beer to the Dunlop guys. Yeah. And, you know, he was very, he understood what it took to, to learn. And he raced a little bit, but he was more of an enthusiast. And I look at Scott Mumford and what he's done with Carson. And, and Carson takes some of his dad's playbook as a, a, a young adult. And, and, I, and I see what's worked and what's not worked. And I see other parents that came up with Carson and they didn't make it to where Carson's made it. And yeah. it's because of what the mentorship that Scott has, Scott has in, 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 yeah. in put in place with Carson. And know? I don't think anybody has anything bad to say about Scott Mumford. All right. And he's done it. He's done it very good. I, I don't know him as well as you know him. It sounds yeah. like obviously, but I do know Scott a little bit and yeah, always is, is great to talk to him and, and his son's made it a long way. And I think if you're a young parent listening to this, if you see Carson Mumford, find Scott and ask him questions, he'd yeah. be more than happy to tell you for sure. His, his failures, his, his successes with the son. Um, yep. Like Buddy Antonez is a great guy, trained trained Carson. Um, mm-hmm. Find these guys and ask them. Nathan Ramsey, yeah. Um, just don't go ask. Don't just throw things at the wall because there is a pretty good path for success here. And what is success, right? Success for me was kind of what I have. Like I never, never envisioned being a West Coast Supercross Lights champion. That was never really a thought. It was like making it to the being an industry professional in my yearbook is like, mm-hmm. I want to turn pro and I want to work in the industry after that was like my thing. Yeah. It actually says it in my high school yearbook. And yeah. I've made that happen, but that's all the goal I set. You know, if you want to be a West coast champion, there is kind of the path. Sure. Sure. But, and <laughs> parents need to realize though, that they can't set that goal for their, for their own kid. Right. Yes. You need, I think, um, it's important just to keep your son, your kids involved in racing. And, and again, I think it's a great place for them to spend their time on the weekend. And then you'll see if your, your child wants to take it further and they'll let them drive you, let them do it. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Well, man, it's been, I mean, we got to get back to work, both of us. We've taken it's been a, a long one. <laughs> yeah, it's been a little over hour break. Uh, Paul is up the road for me, so he's going to get back and probably developing rad product for Renthal and probably making sure his bike's better than it is. He's got a practice bike and a race bike. <laughs> and uh, you riding calories again this year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for sure, like, I have a, I love the bike. Um, I really love the brand and the people there too, and their facility. I mean, everything that Cowie does is pretty first God rate. Damn it, Ryan Holiday always beat me with the Orange Brigade program. <laughs> and I always like he, he's got a tight ship. Yeah, yeah. I mean, man, I wish you the best with your new uh, venture with Renthal. I don't think there's like a a doubt in my mind you're gonna do whatever you need to do. Um, I'm gonna sign up with this pog. This this uh um. What are we doing here? The uh, oh fantasy, fantasy. So give me a little insight to me, like instead of since we're talking. Yeah. What are some? How does this fantasy work? It's the pulp fantasy, right? Yeah. So um, I have uh, I help. I guess I have ownership in what is called the Pulp MX Fantasy League. Yeah. Um, or game, I should say. It's right. it's me and four friends, obviously Mathis and Truman and JT and and our buddy Travis Marks and and yeah, we uh, it all started just myself jt and dan we've always been fantasy players right yep. and there's been little kind of um tiny little games in in our sport and we just thought we could do it better like we thought with all our connections and especially now with knowing travis marks and he's a coder and a website builder okay. um, we just had some good ideas on how we think we can make the premier platform for playing fantasy in our sport and and if you look at other industries fantasy sports is a booming industry that brings in billions and billions of dollars okay. when you talk about football and basketball right. and hockey and baseball. So, um, so we're like, ah, we need this for our sport. Um, and really, if you haven't played, you got to try at least one time because it, it really makes your Saturday, everybody, you know, we're all watching the race on right, Saturday, right, right? right? We're all watching it. Yeah. But if you play fantasy, it adds a whole so other layer of fun. Yeah. Yeah. So I've heard it and I, and I've never been against it. I just like, just didn't do it. Yeah. So where do I go? How do I sign up? So you want to go to, um, pulpamexfantasy.com okay. and we're recording this podcast on a Thursday before Houston won so you have a couple more days to sign up okay, but cool. basically we it's 20 bucks for motocross 20 bucks for supercross we run a special for 35 bucks if you buy both prior to eight uh, um, prior to Houston one and just by signing up you have the ability to randomly win a 2021 YZ450 oh, randomly win a, That's a good bike. TTR like 110 <laughs> you do like that bike yeah if you happen to win the league you were the best player you will win a 450 fuck i can so have you a practice could, bike at a you could you could win two you can get a TTR for the kid you could if you're very lucky and very skilled you can take home all the motorcycles but okay. it's really fun in dude that. i'm in i'm going to sign as soon as we get done with this i'm going to get my debit card out what's it cost to sign up um again 35 bucks oh, is sick. the best Sorry. deal okay. and then uh and then yeah you have a chance at over over 25 weekly prizes over 25 season ending prizes random prizes throughout the year on that we give away on the podcast and honestly it's just it's just fun you pick four riders in each class um everyone has a handicap that handicap is so every rider on the list is viable and you're not just picking tomac web and Roxy, yeah, 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 right? yeah. so you have to use everybody and i think that's really good because yeah, bringing yeah. a lot of attention to the guys that maybe aren't like the carson mumfords and yeah the or Mitchell the alex Fultz. rays or yeah the, yeah all those guys like yeah, yeah. you know so, you know, we try to pride ourselves also on, on running a, a, a good, fair, good game. And also we push everybody to be good humans as far as like, we don't want it to become toxic for riders. We don't want people Dude, I, commenting listened, on their I've social listened, media yeah, yeah, about yeah. like bad things. Oh, you ruined my fantasy league. We try to, you know, we moderate try to, a little bit. Yeah. We, we want it. We want the riders to embrace it. So, and, and riders are starting to, they're giving us jerseys all the time. You get a, if you win the weekend, you get a rider Jersey. Dude, rat. So it's well, just, I'm in man. I'm going to, I'm going to spread the word and pulp MX 
pulpmxfantasy.com. Sick. I'm, I'm going to get signed up. I recommend everyone do it. So that, that shit, today's... Today's Thursday. You only got a few more days, yeah. Okay, so... I mean, you can get in later. But you're not going to... You're going to be back behind You're going to be one round down already. Yeah, I'm going to so, I'm gonna have a DNS. You're going to have a, a deficit <laughs> to make up, yeah. Well, man, I, once again, thanks for, thanks for all your knowledge, your time today. I think this is going to be a, a very different year than... Yeah. 20, different than 1918. Um, and I, we hopefully check back in via FaceTime audio um, while I'm in Oz, man. And, yeah. Uh, Good it, luck. You guys are gnarly, <laughs> you guys are gnarly that you're moving to Australia. It's a hell of an undertaking. So yeah, I wish is. you luck. I, uh, I, I feel stagnant, right? And, and I've, I've uh, had a good mentor of mine is a word that I'll kind of sign off with learning curve and earning curve. Right. And mm-hmm. I think uh, the place in my life, uh, my learning kind of plateaued at a point and uh, my earning curve has been, okay. Like I'm not worried about money, but mm-hmm. I want to learn more. I want to experience more in Australia. I feel like I don't know, but I feel can, can bring me that. And I think you've done a lot of changes based off learning. You've never brought up money. So I think you're already on that path and I want to continue to be on that path of giving my kids more better experiences and keep that learning curve going up yeah. instead of down. So thanks cool. again, Paul. Paul's a, a class act. I appreciate you being on and uh, so long from the My Two Life podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me.